Hey, welcome to the Protectors. Excellent guest today, Paul Letterski. Did I say that right, Paul? Actually, it's Letursky, but I answered answer to anything that's close. <laughs> that's like me with the last name Piccolo. People butcher it all the time. Paul, welcome to the Protectors. We're going to talk about your excellent book today. I've been really excited to talk about this. I really want to know what it was like being next to J. Edgar Hoover. The book is The Director, My Year is Assisting J. Edgar Hoover. Paul, welcome. How are you? Just fine. Thanks. Yourself? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, you could tell, you know, we did a little pre-interview, and you could tell you have that law enforcement edge to you still. Those oh, years really? working. I can tell. I can tell. too long. <laughs> no, it's still there. It's still there. It's that, that, that building rapport and that calm, cool, and collective conversation. So, Paul, why this book and why now? Well, the, the last several years, I really saw history repeating itself. And I always wanted to write a book, not for commercial publication, but for my grandchildren. They're quite young. Uh, my daughter had them quite late. And I knew that I couldn't tell them my stories because they were too young. So I thought with the events that were happening in the last five, six years, uh, so different than it when it was uh, when I was with the FBI. But at the same time, I saw history repeating itself in a, in a number of ways. And I thought this would be a good time to write the book and write my story. And uh, what I really have to emphasize, Jason, is this is not another Hoover biography. Uh, it's a memoir as to how Hoover was known to me. That's a, that's a big thing because there's been a lot of talk about Hoover. There's been books. There's been everything. But having such a firsthand account of his day-to-day -day activities, that's kind of one thing I wanted to know. We know the big stories. We know you know the good. We know the bad. We know you know he wasn't all bad. He wasn't all good. Uh, we know there's just a lot of rumor mill out there. One thing I want to ask you, what was a day like for J. Edgar Hoover? Um. Very disciplined, very form. Everything was formal, just very formal in in his office and pretty much in his life. Uh, it was all business. Uh, but to give you an idea how much why it is all business, Jason, uh, I was 23, 24 years old. Was going to law school at night, working for him in the daytime, and uh, he called me Mister Latursky. Never called me Paul, just Mister Latursky. And uh, I know if, if you read the book, you probably recognized Helen Gandy. We always called her Miss Gandy. And she was his executive assistant. She worked for him uh, since 1918 until even after his death. They both worked in the Justice Department. This was before he was in the Bureau, before he became a director. Uh, she was 18 years old. It was 1918. And she was still working for him after he died. She had to shred a few files. Uh, so uh, anyway, when it's it just to tell you how formal, the fact that he called me Mr. Latursky kind of bothered me a little. So I, one day I went up to Miss Gandy 
again, who's worked for him since 1918. And I said, Miss Gandy, you know, I, I, I'm really uncomfortable. Mr. Hoover has never called me Paul. And I wish uh, some Monday morning when I'd come in, he'd say, Paul, how was your weekend? Never did, because I don't think he gave a rat's ass. Well, excuse me. I didn't think he, I don't think he cared how my weekend really was. And uh, Miss Gandy said to me, uh, don't worry about it. Don't feel badly about it. Don't let it upset you at all, because I've been with him for 50 years, and he's never called me Helen. I, it, that was hard to believe. And so I kind of asked her again, and she emphasized, honestly, she said, he's never called me Helen. He's always called me Miss Gandy. So that's that's how formal things were uh, in his office. And uh, there was, very, very seldom was there something that didn't have to do with business. Did he come in early? Was he like an early riser and, and leave late? Was he like the FBI was his life or did he have anything? Uh, the else? FBI was his life. It was his, the FBI was his wife, his mistress, his family. Uh, the FBI was everything to him. Uh, every day at the end of the day, usually sometime between five and six, uh, he would have a, a very large briefcase filled of documents that he would take home. And the next morning, I'd have all those documents with his handwriting and comments on every one of them to, to disseminate out. So he, he was really a workaholic. He didn't come in late. And his first appointment was never before 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, he, he'd come in maybe around 9.30 or so. Uh, you know, and I'd have everything ready for him on his desk for his appointments. Uh, and... I think it's in the book, but it's a good story about uh, his appointments and how I had to set things up, uh, uh, describing the person that person or persons that were coming in uh, for an appointment. And again, it was never before 10 o'clock in the morning. As a matter of fact, it was always exactly 10 o'clock was the first one. And he had a paperweight on his desk, just to show you what a political poker player he was, uh, a, a very good political poker player. He had this paperweight on his desk that was clear plastic, and, and inside the plastic was an embossed coin uh, that had a donkey on one side and an elephant on the other side. And if his first meeting was with a Democrat, I had to make darn sure that that donkey was showing because it was on top of his papers in the front right-hand corner of his desk. And if you were sitting at that chair, you wouldn't help keep seeing it. And if the next appointment was a Republican, I'd have to go in there and flip the thing over to show the elephant on there. But that's how precise he was, uh, really, in everything. I would imagine to stay in that position, in that position of power for so long, you would have to be. Now, when you said you you had to prepare him for his meeting, did you have to describe who's coming in, like as in who they are, what they are, any background type information? Oh, absolutely. I can see your law enforcement stuff coming up now. Uh, I the, the crime records department or division, uh, there was no crime. There was no not many records. It was basically our public relations department. It was right across the hall. And uh, if if we had Let's say uh, Jason Piccolo was was coming in for a visit. Uh, 
I would write up something for him, uh, uh, telling him uh, that Dr. Jason Piccolo uh, has requested an appointment, blah, 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 blah. Tell him some background about you, see if he would have, see if he would see you, set it up, and he would say, have him come in at 10 o'clock. It was this 10 o'clock was a magic time of day, I think. And so what I would do is I'd get the hold of the guys at the crime records division, find out all about you, as much information as they had. Uh, if you were with your wife celebrating an anniversary or you were coming into Washington for some award, uh, I'd have, I'd write that all out on a, like a five by eight piece of slip of uh, uh, pink paper. I would then put that slip on top of all the background information if you wanted to go in further uh, to find out more about you. And that would be put on his desk. And at 10 o'clock, I had a direct phone line to his office. And he always had uh, the bureau photographer standing by in case you requested a photograph. Uh, and so I would say, uh, Mr. Hoover, uh, Dr. Piccolo is here for the 10 o'clock appointment. And he would say, have him wait. Not one person went in on time. No matter if you were a senator, a congressman, whoever you were, he'd always say, have him wait. And then anywhere between five and 10 minutes, my phone direct line would ring. Have Dr. Piccolo come in. Yes, sir. You would go in and he'd say, oh, so nice for you to stop by, Mr. Piccolo. I understand you're in Washington for a particular award. And he would tell you, oh, but, you know, uh, didn't we meet five years ago when you were coming in for another award? It's so nice to see you again. I appreciate the fact that you took the time. I mean, it went, it went like that with everybody. And then my phone would ring again and he'd say, have the bureau photographer come in, come in, take your picture. They would then uh, make about three copies of the photograph. And then he would choose which one he looked best in. To, to have it signed and sent to you. And you'd come floating out of there, Jason. You'd come floating out like a cloud saying, how in the world did he remember everything that's on his plate? How did he remember all those things about me? That's how he remembered. But he was good at it. He was really good at it. That is an incredible story. Because that, that reminds me of like, you know, law enforcement, the source development, how you build a dossier on someone you want to develop as a source. He's doing the same type of thing with, with people of prominence or, or visitors. That's incredible. And I could imagine that's kind of what his thing was, is like building. When you hear about these stories of him having files on, on everybody and anybody, some of that could just be, you know, building these rapport files. So that, that's yeah, really cool. That was most of the files. Uh, if you just happen to be a small part of an article in a newspaper, but the newspaper had FBI on it or Federal Bureau of Investigation or his name, uh, the crime records would cut that out, send that newspaper to him. And lo and behold, you're in the file, Jason. 
<laughs> but, you know, nothing derogatory. But a lot of people don't know that. They all think, oh, these big secret files on everybody. The guy's trying to extort, extort us and blah, blah, blah. But uh, there's there were thousands of people that were on file in the FBI files and, and not for nefarious reasons. Here's a random question for you. Did he drink coffee and did he go to lunch? <laughs> well, he went to lunch every day. He and Clyde Tolson went to the Mayflower. Uh, and when he came back, it, he was only gone for maybe an hour, hour, not much more. Uh, and he had a change of clothes that was brought to the office because he would take a nap after lunch. And he didn't want to have any part of his clothes wrinkled, he'd, he'd take a nap on the sofa. He it was really quite a satirical splendor uh, in his dress. Uh, very, very natty, beautiful ties, always cufflinks on his French cuffs. And the creases in his pants were so sharp, you could cut through anything with them. It was like God pressed his pants. And mine seemed to always be baggy. <laughs> you know, I went to the cleaners. Uh, and I, I have to give you a good story because I pretty—I don't know if it's in, I don't remember what's in the book sometimes. But with the creases in his pants, there was one photograph that he got very upset with, with the bureau photographer, because he thought there was a uh, wrinkle in the crease. And he was very upset about it. He sent the thing back to me, yelling at me, not loudly, to get a hold of that photographer and have him put those creases the way they're supposed to be. This was before Photoshop, Jason, right? And this poor photographer was a basket case, wondering what he's supposed to do. And what he did was very clever. He sent the photo back to him, and Hoover liked it. And so the photographer was safe for a while. True story. I, uh, you know, that is one thing about the FBI. It's always about now did this rub off on you? You know, you always hear the clothes make the man and the FBI agents, everybody I always run into as far as, you know, men and women, both are always dressed to the nines, uh, at least at the beginning of their career. And then later on, they relax it up a little bit, but did that rub off on you when you became an agent? I'm wearing a suit coat right now with a silk handkerchief in my pocket. <laughs> so I don't know if, it, but a good story. I teach uh, criminal justice at a community college in Oregon uh, where I live, uh, uh, Tillamook Bay Community College. I'm also the criminal justice coordinator there. Uh, happened, it happened by accident. Uh, they offered me this because they needed a, a, a the state required a coordinator for that curriculum. And so after, you know, I met the president and the academic dean, and I really love it there, by the way. I really enjoy it. It's a lot of gratification. Well, anyway, about dressing, I taught some graduate studies at New Haven University a few years prior to that. And, you know, the New Haven, Connecticut, uh, New England, uh, so being new here, I asked the, the, the administrator, the lady that kind of runs things, I said, uh, and what's the mode of dress? Uh, is there a dress code? She was stunned 
Jason, she looked up at me and all she said was, this is Oregon. <laughs> so I, I only put on a, a, a suit coat or a sport coat when I talk to people like yourself. So in Oregon, I'm there in blue jeans and a, and a shirt. That, but, but, I, but it still bothers me because when I walked in there, I had loafers with tassels on them. Can you imagine? I was like a freak over here in Oregon. Anyway, I still love to dress the way we always dressed. I feel more comfortable that way. To, and I think I've answered your question on that. Absolutely. It's like a uniform. Um, yeah, may, absolutely. Definitely. Uh, next time you come on a protectors, it's a t-shirt. It's just relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> the next book or later on, we could love to have you on a book club. That'd be really cool to, to have you talk on our, we have the, everybody out there. We have the protectors book club is now out. It's free for everybody. And what we do is we just talk books and we have everybody, we have a nonfiction book and we have a fiction book each month and we just talk about it and it's fun. And I definitely love to have you on for that. Oh, I'd love to do that. Love to be part of it. Absolutely. The book is The Director, My Years Assisting J. Edgar Hoover by Paul Latursky. Close okay. enough. I'm getting there. By yeah, the time the you come on the book club, I will have it down, Paul. <laughs> How about just by Paul? Paul is <laughs> Thanks, Paul. <laughs>